Welcome to Over the Rainbow, the podcast where we attempt to answer all of those questions about colour we've all asked late at night, perhaps after a few hours of lager. My name is Stephen Westland and I'll be joined in these sessions by Hugh Owens and Helen Disley. Over the coming episodes we'll discuss questions such as whether dogs can see colour, do bulls really become enraged when they see the colour red, when did humans first see colour and whether colour even exists. And if it turns out that it doesn't exist, then our podcast will immediately disappear in a puff of smoke. But before that ignominious end, welcome to episode one. Can dogs see colour? So before we get into the episode proper, I thought we could introduce ourselves a little bit and start by telling you what our favourite colours are. So for me, it's really a very easy choice. My favourite colour is red. Now I've known Hugh for 25, 30 years. Um, I've never asked the question, and I'm asking it now, but I'm going to guess it's blue. So what's your favourite colour, Hugh? Oh, that was a, a, a really good guess, but you should know me better than being able to um, keep me down to one colour. It's context is everything. Ah, yes. I suppose if I had to choose one colour, then it would either be blue or green. Mm. Um, but if you were to ask me what, what my favourite colour of sports car was, it might be neither of those. Red, perhaps. I used to have a red. Could be red or black. Yeah, how about you, Helen? Do you have a favourite colour? I, I, I think it's really difficult to narrow it down to just one, but for me it's about how it makes me feel. It would be something that makes me feel happy, so it would be like autumnal colours, or um, probably if I had to pick one, it would be perhaps like the deep orange of a sunset. It's just really uplifting colour. Well, we will have a podcast in the future about colour preferences. It's a really interesting topic. And... Um, most people, if they're asked if they have a favourite colour, can give a colour or, or two. Um, but there are some people who argue that it is all to do with context and that to ask whether you have a, a, a favourite colour per se in the absence of any context um, doesn't make any sense. So I'm sure we'll come back and discuss this uh, later. But in this episode, we're talking about um, whether dogs can see colour um, why dogs and not other animals, I'm, I'm not sure, but I'm sure we'll get on to um, other non-canine-related species. So, um, if I ask you, Hugh, um, how do we know an animal can see colour at all? I think it's a fascinating question to start off with, um, especially for dogs. There are so many different types of dogs for a start that it would be strange for us just to believe they all had the same sorts of visual systems, even between different species of canines. Just as how do I know that I see the same colour as as you may, Steve? Mm. So I think we have to be a bit careful in in how we we talk about this. But people have been interested in the colour vision of dogs for a long time now. Perhaps even over a hundred years, we can see experiments from the 1920s that tells us interesting things about 
how dogs can perceive the world. Mm. I think it's interesting to, to see that dogs have another sense that's probably more important to them than their visual system. So if we're comparing our visual system, and I think we're primarily visual creatures in the way that we interact with the world. Mm -hmm. Dogs, perhaps less so. And for, for dogs to be having the same sort of visual system as, as we have would suggest they do the same sorts of things in the world and they've had the same sorts of evolutionary drivers. I'm not sure that that's the case. And when we start to look at the at dogs' visual systems, we can see that there are quite distinct differences between theirs and ours. Um, well, we're both predators, so our eyes are on the front. But dogs tend to have quite large noses, so that means you're that their this, range You're not of doing badly on your nose front yourself, Stu, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the first to say that. You won't be the last. Um, it certainly is wet as a dog's nose, Indeed. I think, at the Indeed. moment. <laughs> um, but uh, obviously that occludes certain parts of their, their, their visual range and, and how they will see stereoscopically. Now, you've asked me a very precise question about colour. And, and we know, for instance, that they don't have the same number of biological receptors in their eyes capable of capturing different wavelengths of light as, as we have. Yeah. Um, so the cone receptors that they would have, we would say that for, for most species they have two, um, whereas for, well, predominantly for humans, we think we're trichromats, we have three of these sensors. It's probably worth just unpacking that a little bit for people listening, because I think it is important. So you often hear people saying things like we, we humans see in terms of red, green and blue, which is a, a little bit of a simplification. But we do have three receptors called cones. And these two cones do optimally uh, absorb light at three different wavelengths. Um, and that gives us a, a vision. And as you say, we have three of these cones, which makes us trichromatic visual creatures. Um, dogs only have two. So on the, on the face of it, they, they definitely have got worse colour vision than ours. Um, and in fact, um, one term which gets confused by the public quite a lot is the term colourblind. So lots of people think if someone's colourblind, that they can't see colour. But of course, usually they can. So one very common cause of colour blindness is to be missing one of these cone classes, usually the red one, for example, and then you're a dichromat, so you're like a dog. And people who are colour blind can see colour, but they would find it difficult to discriminate, for example, between reds and yellows and greens. And dogs are actually like that. They're, they're dichromats. They see very well in the blue to green region of the spectrum, but, but not very well in the sort of longer wavelengths, the reds and yellows and, and green area. Um, so in one answer to the question of whether dogs see colour, I guess, is to say that they are like a colourblind human. That's about how well they see. Um, but you raise a really interesting point. 
Hugh about um, about whether whether they can see at all. You know, how do, how do how do we just because they've got these senses, how do we know that they can see? It's not it's not so straightforward, is it? No, not at all. And and I think I'll I'll pick you up on a point there, just to be pedantic, because well, it's our <laughs> jobs, really, isn't it? <laughs> it is it is my way. It is my way. Um, and and to say that we'd probably call people colour deficient now rather than colour blind, and and because colour blind suggests that you can't see any colour, whereas I think it's it's more about confusing colours, where which trichromats would normally see, so your dog is more likely to confuse or not be able to detect differences in the chromatic content of light coming to them compared to to a human observer mm. for instance um, and and I think again, if you look at the physiology of of a dog, then for for us, we have a particular region on the back of our eyes where we try to um, locate the detail of an image what are we looking at um, and we know for instance from the studies we have on that the imaging studies we have on that that there are only cones in that area in the fovea and again we know that there are only long and medium wavelength sensitive cones in that area but actually in dogs that's that's not the case they actually have rods in this central area as well. So so there's there's a difference in the way that everything's laid out there. And and it has a consequence later when we start talking about their brightness discriminations. They may be much better than we are when we start to talk about twilight mm. type yeah, situations. So. <clears throat> Perhaps when they go hunting in, in twilight situations. So for for humans, we're incredibly well adapted to work in a very large range of of uh, lighting situations, but for dogs, perhaps they're more adapted to this this twilight type hunting and to detect movement as well. There's a certain mm-hmm. amount of of evidence that they're quite good at at spotting things moving very quickly. And of the cones that they do have, do you think they see um, the blue and green? Is it similar to to what the range that we would see. Based on the cones, it's similar to a, a colour yeah. blind or Hugh's quite correct. The correct term yeah. is colour deficient dichromat. However, um, th- that's only one way of looking at it. So, for example, at the beginning, Hugh said, Do we even see the same mm-hmm. colours as each other, humans? So, when I see what I call the colour red, I experience something which I call redness. You experience something when you look at it, and you call it red because we've been taught from being very young to call it the same thing. But what you experience could be what I experience when I hear a bell ringing. And and in fact, one of my favourite... I've got two very favourite papers. One is in the Journal of Pasta Technology, which is probably not going to come up in this this podcast. But my (laughs) favourite paper of all time is... It's 1974 by someone called Nagel, and it's entitled, What's It Like to Be a Bat? It's a very, very famous paper because it's very hard to imagine what it feels like, what the experience of being a bat is like, because, of course, they have a a very different sense 
based on um, echolocation that we, we don't have. So we never, what that paper really says is we never really know what it feels like to be another person, what another person sees. We never really can be sure 100% whether dogs see colour in the same way we do, but they probably do because they share the same visual apparatus. And on top of that, the second reason we think that dogs can see colour is because of behavioural experiments. So there's a very famous guy, um, I'm sure Hugh's heard of him, called Carl von Frisch. And about 100 years ago, he did experiments to see whether animals can see colour. And he was particularly interested in one experiment in, in bees. And what he did, he set a dish of sugar water on a blue card. And he basically trained the honeybees to go to the, the dish which had the blue card rather than the grey cards, for example, because they knew that was the one that contained the sugar water. So based on that behaviour, and then based on the, the similar mechanism in the eye, the, the physiology of the, of the cone receptors, we can be pretty sure that dogs see colour. And, and we can be as reasonably sure that they see colour the same as we do, as, as we are, that each other can see it, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's really interesting. Are there any animals that we think can't see colour at all? So these would be animals that are completely devoid of, of, of colour. Um, there are. Um, there are some humans like that, funnily enough. So I, I mentioned before that what many people call colour blind but is really colour deficiency is often caused by having only two of these receptors. There's another condition, which is more serious, where you've only got one, and then you're a monochromat, and then you really can see only in shades of grey. Um, more than 50 shades, you were about, about to jump in there with a, a, a story about that, which we, with a, with a, a different podcast. Um, but it's estimated, for example, that whales and, and dolphins and seals, that to name but three, they only have one cone. We believe they're monochromats, and they probably see in about a hundred shades of grey. What would be the advantage of having? Sorry, here. What would be the advantage of having one cone, or over just having rods? Um. So you, you've mentioned rods. So, so actually, we we all are. We can all see only in shades of grey in certain conditions so if you go into a, a, a room a sealed room with no windows and no cracks under the door and you've got a light and you turn that light down with a dimmer switch till you can't see but then you wait a few minutes and you, you adapt and you can see a little bit then turn it down a little bit more and you get the level of light really really low so you can just see under those conditions even so-called normal human population with, with three cones, the cones don't have enough light to function, and only the rods function, and therefore we can only see in those very, very dark conditions in shades of grey. Now, why, why, would, why would animals have a cone rather than a, a, a rod? 
uh, why, why have one if it doesn't give them colour vision? My guess is that it would give them the range of vision that we have, that the, that the rods are suitable for seeing in very, very dark environments and the cones okay. can see in much yeah. brighter environments. That, that would be my guess, but I'm not entirely sure. And if we go at it from a, an evolutionary perspective, this this um, this idea of, of something having to be a major advantage to be taken forward through the population, then when eyes were first being made, if you think about them, and if you look at them in terms of the visual sense of, of humans, they are quite uh, an extensive overhead in terms of the energy that they consume. So they have to have quite a big advantage. Now, um, Steve will know that uh, in the kingdom of the blind, the one-eyed man is king, or whatever the quote is. Um, So we think that if we came from the oceans, and perhaps that's what happened, then being able to see different shades and movement as well would be quite an evolutionary advantage in mm. terms of catching prey. So having having one eye that can see in, in just basic levels would be an advantage over something that is sensing in a completely different way. Um, so that's, that, that's one way of thinking about it. We're thinking about it as, oh, well, we've got these two great eyes and we've, we've got access to lots of nice food. And in fact, our ancestors only had two cones. They all were dichromats. And their ancestors only had one. So it's been an evolutionary process. And, and having that really highly evolved colour vision for humans has been advantageous. But perhaps it isn't advantageous for whales and and seals. Yeah, And of course it was one of the stumbling blocks for Darwin. He couldn't believe that something as complex as the eye could be formed over generations of selection. It really caused him nightmares. Yeah, because um, with his because theory. I, I, yeah, I've heard people say, "What what good is half an eye?" But it turns out to be very good indeed. Just uh, just being able to sense a little bit of light and shade around yeah. you gives you an advantage um, in the, in the land of the blind, as as you said. So it it turns out that we we believe the eye did evolve bit by bit, you know, to to, to the fantastic visual system we have we have today. Can I just jump back a second to, to what Helen was saying before about rods mm. in in dogs, uh, rods and cones? Well, if you look at the cones in dogs, if you look at their peak sensitivities, they're very similar to two of our sensors, yeah, our yeah. short and our medium wavelength sensitive um, sensors. So they have a peak sensitivity around 430 in the blue and about 555 in the middle uh, in the green mm-hmm. so I don't know if this is a bit too much Steve or not but um, but they're very similar to, to a human mm. observer in terms of the, the rods their photopigment peak is about about 500 505 nanometers so again that's quite similar mm. to humans again there is one other proviso on that and that's if you look at the the lens of lenses of dogs, then a lot of um, UV can can go through the lens. So there's some suggestion that they may be able to use some of the UV wavelengths 
in mm. a way that humans can't. And this is part of the reason that they have the distribution of rods and cones on the retina that they oh, that's have. Interesting. It's, it's, it's a little bit different to, to us. And if they are sort of twilight stroke nocturnal hunters, then that makes a lot of sense when you look at... They have a, a retro reflector on the back of their eyes, mm. um, which will which will mean that any light that doesn't hit their sensors on the way through gets bounced back into the retina and has a better chance of being collected. So, interesting. Perhaps they're just designed for something slightly different to, to humans. Yeah, they have that ability to see in the dark, whereas we, we, we as less so. And uh, one way, as you said, human, the retro-reflector, they have the light passing twice through the photoreceptors. But there's another trick that animals use sometimes, which is just to have a more densely packed array of receptors on the retina. So, for example, humans have about 200,000 photoreceptors per square millimetre in the retina, in the fovea. An eagle has a million. So they've just got far greater acuity as well as being able to see in darker conditions. Absolutely, and it's just like being on your mobile yeah, I was just phone. Say, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, Helen. So, like, dichromats can't see red. What about bulls? Are they dichromats? Can they see red? Because that's the classic, you know, red cape, bull. Yeah, so I should say for humans, um, there are three types of dichromats. You can be missing the, the long wavelength cone, the middle one, or, or the short one. So there are some humans who have trouble in the blue region, but most color-deficient people are missing the, the, the so-called red or green one. Right? So they, they can't see very well in the red, yellow, green region. Um, it turns out that most mammals are dichromats. Um, dogs, horses, cows, sheep. Um, what did you just ask about? About bulls, whether now. they can see red with the you know, matadors and the red capes. So, so, so that's the really interesting thing because everyone would assume that bulls can see red because why, why else would matadors have a red cape and, um, and why would it make bulls so angry if they, if they didn't see it but it turns out that like dogs bulls are dichromats and they can't see the colour red um, which is a really interesting that thing that is interesting why would a colour make him make a bull so angry? Yeah, it, <laughs> indeed. Yes. Well, apparently it's it's to do with motion rather than colour. So uh, there's a very famous American show that debunks myths. I won't say what it is, no. but they did this. They they looked at different colours and they put the bull in and they moved they 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 moved the, the mannequins in the same way and it was just the movement that was stimulating the, the bulls. So if you're stuck in a field of bulls, stand still <laughs> or, or run very fast, one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't get stuck in a field with bulls, I think. So why, yeah. why is the, um, the, the matador's um, cape red? Anyone know? If bulls can't see it. No, I don't I, I know. That. That. I'm not sure. Well, um, not right, but um, it's a good one you two did. No, but actually, what, what, I've, what I've heard is, it's traditional, of course, but I've heard it's to, it's to actually make, it, make the blood less visible. Oh. So that when the, yeah. when the bull is killed, 
for example, um, it's a slightly less gory scene for for the for the for the viewer, and um, which you know makes this. I'm, I have to say, I'm not a fan of bullfighting at all. But for those who who enjoy it, I guess it makes it slightly more palatable. That it's, it's, it's that you see less blood because the the cape is red. That, that's what I've I've heard anyway. But I've yeah, I'm not an expert on on bullfighting. So are we like top dog when it comes to colour vision then, or is, are there any any animals or birds that have better colour vision than us? Top dog, oh, right, yeah, Mister Norman, isn't it? Sorry. <laughs> are we are we top dog? Um, what do you think, Hugh? Top dog? Are you top dog? <laughs> It's interesting because I think there's always a trade-off between having a complex visual system and your capabilities to do other things. So, so for instance, we talked about dogs earlier and we talked about visual acuity. Now, Steve quite uh, rightly mentioned birds of prey have fantastic visual acuity, but dogs not so much. Anybody who's thrown a tennis ball for a dog uh, and... Uh, <laughs> it's lost it in flight, will know that they'll run around in circles and they, they d it'll take them a while to perhaps locate that ball, especially mm -hmm. if, it's a, if it's a green ball on a, on a green background. So a typical dog um, might be able to see, um, see something clearly at 20 metres that a human could see clearly at 75 metres. So this is this idea of 20-75 vision. But it depends on the breed again. So there's a lot of selective breeding that's gone on. So hunting dogs tend to use their sight more and their visual acuity be slightly better. Some of the smaller dogs, um, perhaps the terriers, will use their sense of smell more. Mm. So they'll tend to, to, to use that as their predominant um, sense. So you can look at different species and think, oh, yeah, they've got an impressive um, visual uh, system, something uh, that perhaps works in a similar way to some of our spectral um, instruments, things like a spectrophotometer. So if we look at some of the mantis shrimps, mm. they seem to be able to slice up the visual spectrum into very narrow bands, whereas our visual systems don't do that. We're actually very broad in the way that we capture light from those different energies. So it's, it's, a, it's a very tricky question. I, I think if, if you ask the question of whether any animal has got better colour vision to us, there's two ways of answering it, I guess. One is, could they see a different range of wavelengths? That's certainly true. So... Um, lots of insects are trichromatic like us. Bees are trichromatic. But their cones are shifted to shorter wavelengths. So bees can see in the yeah. ultraviolet where we can't. So you can argue whether that's better or not, but it's, it's different. But the other thing is to argue whether they can have better colour discrimination. And Hugh just mentioned that um, the, the mantis shrimp has got, I think, 12 different photoreceptors. Uh, there's a butterfly called the swallowtail butterfly has got eight types of receptors. So that might suggest that those animals have got even better colour discrimination than us. However, not necessarily because 
There was a recent experiment with the mantis shrimp that suggested, in, they did some behavioural experiments again, and it suggested that their wavelength discrimination is actually not as good as ours. In other words, yes, they've got 12 cones, but their, their, their vision is just different, is used for different purposes than what uh, ours is used for. Um, so, you know, it, 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 we're not top dog necessarily, but we're, we're up there with, <laughs> with the top dogs. Is, is the mantis shrimp different to other shrimps then? Is it, is it specific in having 12 photoreceptors compared to other shrimps? Yeah. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. And having, having this, think, this, having this yeah. biological receptors doesn't mean you have fantastic vision. So, for example, when we're born as babies, we have those cones in place. If you take a baby and look at its retina, it's got three types of cones. But everyone knows that when babies are born, they've got very, very poor vision and no colour vision at all until about two months and probably maybe three or four before they have full um, high-resolution colour vision. So just because an animal has got the, the sort of retinal equipment to potentially see colour really well doesn't mean anything unless they've got the brain processing equipment in order to make sense of those signals from the eye, if that makes sense. I, I think it's certainly and there's an overhead again. Yeah, yeah. Some animals have certainly got better vision than we've got in some way. And we mentioned animals who can see in the dark uh, better than we can. Animals who have better resolution, eagles, for example, lots of birds th than we can. Um, but in terms of colour vision, it's 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 not clear to me that there are species that are definitely better than us. They may they they may have more cones, but it's it's not shown yet. I think behaviourally that they have. Really, really good colour vision. I think it's a, it's about the advantages as well. And if we look at a lot of different animal visual systems, they don't necessarily use the same range of wavelengths that, that we do. We seem to, to interact in quite a narrow range of wavelengths. A lot of other animals will use different sensors. So some might go into the near-infrared and sense there, so things like snakes, for instance. Um, and other animals will start to go into the ultraviolet part of the, the spectrum. But these are all biologically damaging mm. areas to, bio, to, to biological senses and tissues. So it, 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 it's a trade-off. You, you might see some creatures with these fantastic, what we'd think of as as fantastic visual systems, but they don't tend to l live very long. Um, and even if we look at our own visual system, uh, Monet is, is the classic example of, of a painter who spent a lot of time outside. And we can see the yellowing that goes on in, in his lens reflected in the colours that he uses in his Impressionist paintings. So th th there's there's this trade-off, and we, are we... We're probably about right, but we would say that because <laughs> it's our podcast. Indeed. And, and, and we're just about out of time as it happens now. So I um, hope people have enjoyed listening to that. Um, if you enjoyed it, um, then follow us and come back for our second podcast, which we'll shortly be recording, which is going to be 
about um, the question is when did humans first begin to see colour? So we're going to look in a little bit more detail about the evolution of, of human colour vision. So until then, it's goodbye from me. Or him, sorry. <laughs> That's what the Ronnie Barkey used to say. Goodbye. Goodbye from him. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.